0: The free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on-demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store.
1: Coming up today on The Story.
2: It was in that time that I was at Bible College that I started to, you know, have these panic attacks. They were crippling. They would leave me just unable to be able to do anything, sometimes for hours or days. At the end of my two years at Bible College, I'd come back home and I was broken. Um, I basically had a breakdown.
1: The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, when traumatic events occur at a young age, they can often go on to affect us for the rest of our lives. Liz West lost her younger brother in an accident when she was 14 years old. And then, decades later, she realised that this event was still having a dramatic impact on her, especially with regards to anxiety. But through some pivotal moments in the last few years, Liz is now gaining freedom from the bondage that anxiety once had on her. Liz West will share her journey to healing with us today as she has a chat with Shelley Scowan.
0: Liz West, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: No worries, Shelley. It's great to be with you. Liz, you
0: grew up in a Christian family, had a, a pretty great family life, uh, didn't you? And you were became a Christian at a fairly young age?
2: Uh, yes. Both my parents are Christians. We went to church twice every Sunday. We learnt Bible verses, or I really should say Bible passages. You know, I asked the Lord into my heart when I was nine years old, and... Yeah, a typical family, older brother, older sister, a younger brother as well. We moved around a little bit, you know, school-wise. I had a little bit of bullying and that sort of thing, but on the whole, I would say that it was a happy childhood, yeah.
0: Mm, Which is such a blessing to have a supportive family around you, especially when things can go tragically, horribly wrong there was one awful day for you when you were 14 years old that uh, everything changed in your world. Can you tell us what happened on that day?
2: Yeah, I sure can. So it was a Sunday afternoon. We'd come home from church. My dad had got an extra shift at work. Mum was going uh, to be taking us out to the park. Uh, I had a friend over from church. We were playing, you know, very happily together together. Uh, I'm not quite sure what my other brother and sister were doing. But my little brother, uh, Stephen, pesky little brother as he was, he wanted to play with me and my friend and frankly I, I didn't want him around so I told him that, you know, go away, um, leave me alone. So he got on his bike. I, I don't know a time frame but I, I'm pretty sure it was fairly soon afterwards. He got on his bike and uh, rode down a major major road and I don't. I think he had a helmet on. I'm not sure. Yeah, He may have. But he uh, got bit hit by a car. And, yeah, he didn't die straight away. He had massive head, head injuries and, and other things, broken bones and that sort of thing. But, yeah, he lasted 44 hours. And at midday on the 20th of September 1977, he passed away. Wow
0: just an awful thing for any family to have to go through. And I'm sure you all dealt with it in different ways as well. Everyone grieves in different ways. Uh, How did it impact you
2: there at the time? I think most of us were in shock. I think in our own family, we really didn't talk about what happened. Uh, My my father suffered greatly. So we... We didn't bring the subject up. We didn't talk about Stephen. It wasn't being just a part of our normal conversation. It was, uh, it was very, very hard to deal with. And I, I talk a lot. And I guess that that's how I, I deal with things. And so to not be able to talk about it was really difficult. I kept things to myself. I, I blamed myself when I realized, you know, that I took on the fact that he went to his death, so to speak, because of me. Um, And it wasn't until years later and I started getting counselling for that that I realised that I'd just taken on too much of that guilt. But all of us, in some way or other, had something that we regretted on that day. But basically, we, we really didn't talk about it. Yeah.
0: And that's kind of how life was back in that time, wasn't it? Where, you know, you just kind of buried things rather than dealing with them.
2: Yeah, I think that was a part of life. I don't blame my parents. We've managed to talk about it since uh, there was a pivotal time on his 20th anniversary that I really, you know, got some sort of closure from that and we were able to talk about what happened. So that was an amazing experience. Mm. Yeah,
0: and it's understandable then that because your brother was killed riding his bike and in a car accident that then that brought about some anxiety issues for you uh, when it comes to transport. So mainly public transport, like trains and planes and buses. Can you tell us about the impact that that has had on your life since then?
2: After he died, I actually was baptised about two months after he died. I I just thought, well, I really need to get serious about this God, um, seeing this happen. And, And then I started the journey of wanting to go and serve God overseas somewhere. So I went to Bible College when I was 19. Um, It was in that time that I was at Bible College that I started to, you know, have these panic attacks. They were crippling. They would leave me, um, yeah, just unable to think or, or act or be able to do anything, sometimes for hours or days. At the end of my two years at Bible College, I'd come back home And I was broken. Um, I basically had a breakdown uh, when I left college. And and what that meant was that I didn't want to get on a train. I didn't want to get on a bus. I didn't want to get on a plane. Anything where I felt I was out of control, um, it just overtook my life. I became agoraphobic. So I didn't want to leave the house either. I suffered separation anxiety disorder. I can remember I was 22 and mum had taken me to the shopping centre at Churnside and, and she just disappeared out of the shop. She went somewhere else but didn't tell me. And I, I collapsed in a heap. I was just crying. I was yelling out for, for mum and I just knew I needed to get some help. I was 22. I was an old. So basically from there I, I went on some very strong uh, antidepressants and um, tried to get some sort of normality happening. I basically lost a year of my life where I don't remember anything. I was drugged up you know, to my eyeballs. So, yeah. And yeah, so that started a journey then. Uh, I could get in a car. I bought my first car and I was very, very happy. That was the start of it because I could get out and I could drive anywhere. And if I was having a panic attack in traffic or whatever, I could get out of my car and you know knew that people wouldn't would never see me again, so i, I was so embarrassed mm. by all that was happening, and so you would shield yourself you know from from that so
0: because there has been a real stigma around mental health over previous decades, and thankfully people are talking about it a lot more these days. I mean here we are having this conversation now, which is great, but did you feel that stigma or any sense of shame or that you couldn't? Talk about the anxiety itself.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I was full of shame. There was a few people in the church, they would say, you know, you've got sin in your life, you need to, you need to talk to God, but you should not be like this. You should not have this level of anxiety. Um, if I saw an ambulance go past, I would hear the sirens and I would just, it would just trigger stuff. And I would be told, what what are you going on about? And uh, it then just became, I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't show it in front of people. So that's how come the agoraphobia sort of comes in because you just don't want to be around people that tell you to snap out of it or you shouldn't be like that. You're a Christian. Where's your faith? You know. Uh, I really felt that stigma. It was the shame more than anything. And then I started to think about the fact that I said those words to Stephen, and he went on his bike, and he died, and he never came back. And I then really started to blame myself for that.
1: You're listening to the story. Today Shelley Scowen is chatting with Liz West who has struggled with anxiety much of her life after going through a traumatic experience in her childhood when her brother was killed in an accident. We'll hear more of her story and how God is helping her to heal when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Shelley Scohan chatting with Liz West, who has struggled with anxiety much of her life due to a traumatic experience in her childhood when her brother was killed in an accident. As we heard before the break, she blamed herself for the accident and struggled with forgiving herself. Now, here's more of Liz's story and how God has been working in her life.
0: So what was going on for you spiritually at the time? Did you feel far away from God at the time, going through this anxiety phase?
2: I don't think I felt far away from God. I was hoping that He would come through for me. I was. I was wanting to have some, I guess, some miraculous healing um, because that was all sort of coming into the fore as well, you know. So, out of my very um, conservative background, you know, you wouldn't hear about people that were healed supernaturally. And so I thought, oh, there's got to be something more. But I really tried to cling to God because I knew there wasn't any anything else or anyone else. As I've had counseling, I realized that my trust in God disappeared that day that my brother died and uh, how could he do that? How could he take away someone that I loved Um, even though he was pesky at times? How could he do that? My trust in God was just uh, decimated and I think over the years he has just gradually and slowly and with love and tenderness and care and genuineness brought brought me back into a trusting situation with him and that has been the miracle. It didn't happen overnight, but it did happen. On his twentieth anniversary in nineteen ninety seven, I took my boys to his grave site. I wanted my boys to see where he was buried. Mm. And they were young, they knew I would talk about my brother to them. I didn't even want them to have bikes but that was impossible so I took them to their gravesite and they went off running around like young boys do and, um, and I just sat down beside my brother's gravesite and I just, I wept
0: Yeah, and that moment was really the start of the healing journey for you, wasn't it, where it was. you had that opportunity to tell your fa- your own family more and more about your brother but you also yeah. had that sense of God starting to free you from all of that stuff that was yeah. going
2: on I did, because I just, as I sat there, I just, I said to God, forgive me for doing this. I'm sorry. And it was like he just came and he said, I forgive you, but I don't need to. You don't need to carry this burden anymore. I want you to get up from here and I want you to enjoy freedom from the guilt. And I did. I got up and it was just amazing. And the following week, it was incredible. I was in church and I just felt like this strong sense of the Holy Spirit just saying, get up and share what God did for you during the week. I was terrified. I was just shaking. But I got the microphone and I said, I told them, I said, I felt for so long, for 20 years that I had blamed myself for my brother's death. And I want to tell you. God has forgiven me. He didn't have to anyway, but he's told me to take that shackle off of guilt and walk in freedom. And I sat back down and it was just, my parents were there. My brother was there. My mum left church. She was very upset. But when we all went back to their place for lunch, we finally started to talk about how each of us felt about it and we were able to get that conversation going and my brother I remember my brother saying to me why didn't you tell us that you felt that way so it was not only freeing for me but I think it was freeing for our family and we were able to start that conversation as difficult as it was there was that sense of I was never going to go back and blame myself again and I never have
0: 20 years after his death, and finally your family was talking about it. What a relief, hey, to get that freedom. And like you say, the freedom from God too, and that's where it started, where God gave you that freedom. I mean, I've been looking recently in the Bible, all the times where God invites us to give him our burdens. There's so many times in the Bible where God just says, you know, take... Uh, my yoke upon you for my burden is light and you know he's saying that we can cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us i I feel like it grieves his heart a bit you know that moment for you graveside where god was saying well you didn't have to carry this burden it must have grieved Mm. god's heart all of this time watching you carrying around this burden for 20 years
2: i often think about that um, I knew the scriptures when I was young. From, mm. a, from a young child, I learnt the scriptures. But I, I knew the scriptures in my head. And that was not I didn't know how to apply the scriptures to my heart. I didn't know how to get it from my head to my heart. It's as I've got older, it's as I've had my own family, and as I've learnt now to trust God again, and know that he's going to take us through some deep waters, that those scriptures now that I learned as a child are becoming a reality. That's the difference for me. A few years ago, I started getting mentored by an older lady, and she said to me, you know the scriptures, but you don't know your Heavenly Father. She kept saying that to me, and I would say to her, I know that, I know that, I know that. You know in your head, that you do not know in your heart. And that was the challenge for me, was to change that from my head to my heart. That's been the biggest thing. I've been through some other other things as well with my family, which would be another story. Yeah. Um, but I, I can remember getting to 40 and didn't want to live anymore. I just thought, even though I'd had that experience at 34, there was still stuff going on. But I found a counsellor. I was suicidal. Thinking about it, I had these thoughts. I had the idea of it. And into my mind when I was thinking about it was, how will your father cope? He has lost one. How will he cope with losing a second? And it was then that I realized I needed extra help. Mm -hmm. And I sought myself out as a Christian counselor who then for the next 10 years walked with me through this road of healing.
0: Yeah, well, you mentioned before the role of medication to help you, the role of counsellors, and it sounds like there's been more than one counsellor speaking into your life, both professional counsellors and great mentors, uh, Christian mentors in your life. They have been an essential part of your healing, haven't they?
2: Definitely. The medication that I was on 20 years ago, well, 30 years ago now, I was very, very strong back then. I lost a year of my life somewhere along the line. And I'd never gone back to medication, but I'd, back in the day, there was the stigma associated with that. There isn't now. And and the medication is so different. But my counsellor was a Christian. She believed in good health, good food, good walking habits, fresh air. The scriptures, there was, it was like a, a combination of a lot of things. Music, in the last 10 years has become such uh, an essential part of my uh, walking, you know, in freedom.
0: Yeah. Tell us about the role of that Lauren Daigle song, the You Say That Lauren Daigle Sings. Tell us about uh, the moment that that really, really impacted you.
2: Yeah, well, about four years ago, I think she was really just coming onto the scene then, I was sitting listening to a guy, and he was explaining some Bible verses that I had never really understood, And because I had Lauren Gable on in the background. And, and this preacher, he talked about the role of the Holy Spirit in a Christian, you know, or in, in the life of a person. And, and, and his role is to convict of sin. Well, I knew all about that. No one needed to tell me anything about conviction. I knew it. I lived under conviction. That's, that's how I operated But then his next statement was that as a believer, the Holy Spirit's job is to convince you of God's righteousness. And at that moment, it was like a light bulb came on. And I thought, I do not have to carry the weight of my sin anymore. Even though I'd stepped into freedom throughout my life, this was a time where finally I just felt, free of all my sin and believed honestly that God's righteousness is on me Lauren Daigle's song uh, You Say, she talks about I keep fighting voices in my head and I listened to that song and I played it over and over Vision Radio just you know, they played it over and over and it's like it went into my head but it didn't go in my head, it went in my heart God says you are loved God says you are strong. God says you are held. Those words fortified what was going on in my heart to be able to move me on. But it wasn't only that. It was look up, child. It was rescue, Lauren Douglas. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the night. Trust in me. You know, when you don't move the mountains, I will trust in you. Um, there was a messy Me song called Even If, you know, even if things don't go according to plan, I'm going to trust in you. Those were all things that really helped me. We changed churches, we moved, we did courses, uh, Women to Women, Search for Life, Valiant Man, we did a marriage course that helped us because this all affected our marriage as well. So the music has become such a part of my life because if they're speaking words of truth from the word of God, it's going in. But you have to appropriate that. You can't just let it, you just sing it and say, well, that's a nice song. You have to take that word of God and make it your own and um, be able to move on in freedom. And that's that's the freedom that I found. And with that has come a joy and a peace, like the anxiety has just gone, and we've had plenty of opportunity to be anxious in, in the past ten or so years. It's just been learning to trust a heavenly father, my heavenly father, and believing, you, you know, that He loves me unconditionally, and He's for me, He's not against me, and that He that He loves me, and I'm, I'm held. but those are the things that have made the difference in my life, and. I'd never want to go back to the prison that I was in.
0: And I can hear the difference in your voice as you're talking. I can hear that you've found so much healing, uh, particularly in the last few years, as you were saying about changing churches and doing a few new courses and getting more involved with some of these songs that have had such a dramatic impact on you. You're also very quick to point out that it's not completely, you know, sunshine and rainbows every single day for you. It is still somewhat of a constant struggle, but you've learnt some really great coping mechanisms to get through those tough times.
2: Look, I have. I know my limits. I'm a perfectionist. And often perfectionists are the ones that suffer, I think, a lot more mental illness. They have expectations of themselves and others that you can never reach, you know? And so I've had to become a little bit more laid back and a little bit less stressed about things I would project myself what would happen if I did this or what would happen if this happened or you know I was constantly thinking like with my boys if they had an accident on their bike how would I cope how would I you know I, I remember what the pain was. I, I can't go through that again and so you would constantly be living in this in this like a little bubble almost and so and you try and stop things from happening and you just realize how out of control you are. And for a control freak, it, it freaks you out. But in all this has come a trust in God. I walk now. I, I eat better. I have found some very, very good friends that build me up and that are there for me, that understand me when when I am, you know, going through tough times and I will tell people I am not ashamed to tell people that I'm anxious or I'm I'm feeling really panicky I'm not ashamed of that ever you know um, I want to tell people that we can be like this and it's not a sin to feel like this but this is the journey that God has had me on Yeah, it's
0: just awesome stuff. And I've seen photos of those very same friends taking you on trips on a train and on a plane and uh, you all having a wonderful time together. So, again, (laughs) just (laughs) all part of the healing and the people that he's surrounded you with uh, is just absolutely awesome. Liz, thank you so much for sharing just some of your story today. Thank you for being vulnerable and opening up about it. Like you said, you went for so many years not telling anyone, but I think it's so important that your story is told. So thank you so much for joining us on the story.
2: Great to talk to you, Shelley. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: That was Shelly Scohan chatting with Liz West, who's been sharing with us her journey to healing After going through a traumatic experience as a child when her brother died in an accident. As we heard, the impact of that accident psychologically began to manifest itself years later when she began to experience panic attacks. She also began to experience a fear of different types of transportation because she never wanted to feel that she wasn't in control. But as we heard, God has been working in her life and has been helping her to overcome these crippling fears of anxiety. As Liz shared, music has played a big role in her healing, and specifically she mentioned the song You Say by Lauren Daigle. It's a song about someone struggling with their identity and how God sees them. The lyrics go, You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. And you say I am held when I'm falling short. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours and I believe. What you say of me, I believe. And that's the good news. Even though we may not feel it at times, God says you are loved and precious to Him. And we can completely trust in Him and feel the peace of knowing that we are held in His arms. And we can rest and rely on our Heavenly Father. It's such great and comforting news. Well, thanks for joining us for Liz West's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. By the
2: time we got everyone, it was like a, a big barrel So there's thunderstorms to the right, there's thunderstorms to the left, there's thunderstorms overhead. But we had a clear path to the national capital. And he said, how is
1: it that you knew the weather's going to be like? I said, because I asked the Father. If I ask him in the name of Jesus, he'll fix anything for me. And he said, wow. James O'Keefe has strived to be in the centre of God's will ever since he became a Christian. And that desire has led him on many different adventures as a pilot in various countries in the Asia-Pacific region and it's now led him to helping homeless people here in Australia. James will share his incredible story next time. The The Story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.